This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McCamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? Girl, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? <laughs> I am good. I am good. F- fully vaccinated. Um, grateful for that. <laughs> you, better plug, you better plug vaccine awareness. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen, okay. Um, hey. So that's a that's a relief. That is a relief. Uh, I think so. you know, uh, just so. glad to still still be here. I know we we are still in a pandemic. I know this you know people fact. are trying to move on, but we are still in it, and so I do <laughs> right. think we have right. to, you know, uh, yeah. be cognizant of that. But we do need to count our blessings and name them one by one. Cause yeah, we've been through a lot. That's so. what the song says. That's for sure. I hear you on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I do think there's some, I think people psychologically are trying to just move on. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we, we need to deal with the facts as we move on. Exactly. We still need a reality check. But you know, people are weary and um, our mental health and our even our, our cognitive health has been impaired by this last year. So everybody making do, they're doing the best they can. We need a lot of grace, but we also need a lot of boundaries. So yes, praise the Lord for vaccines. Okay. (laughs) All (laughs) righty. Well, you know, yes, you know, we, we all, we, we trying to move on. People trying to move on from the pandemic, but, 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 you know, um, we thought it was important um, for us to continue in our, we going to learn today. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, in our, our plans for this season, we were like, okay, we're going to learn today. We're going to take the spiritual aspect. We're going to also take, you know, um, educational, right? Um, aspects, political education, spiritual education, all those things. And so we were like, okay, we need to bring some educators to the table. Um, and so uh, we are honored to have Shana V. White at the table with us. Welcome to the table, Shana. How are you? I'm doing well on yourself. Good, good, good. We're glad to have you at the table. Um, yes, yes. She's a she's a Twitter neighbor to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shana is who I consider to be a, a, a Twitter neighbor. She's uh, has such a lot of uh, insight <laughs> and wisdom. Um, on education, right? And the whole educational system. And so we're like, let's bring Shana to the table so we can learn from this sister. And just in case y'all don't know who Shana is, why don't I go ahead and tell y'all a little something about her? Shana White is a Senior Associate for Computer Science, Equity, and Justice Initiatives at the Capro. Kapoor Center. She will be working on equitable CS initiatives supporting CS for California and CS for Georgia, working with stakeholders in Georgia to improve teacher professional development and increase participation and success for students of color in K-12 CS courses. Prior to joining the Kapoor Center, Shana worked for 16 years in K-12 education, serving in both public and private schools as a teacher and instructional technology specialist in Metro Atlanta. Shana has a passion for disrupting the status quo. She works to connect and create community for educators online and has a strong commitment to racial justice and equity in K-12 
schools. She has a BS from Wake Forest University, an MS from Winthrop University, an EDS from Kennesaw State University. Outside of work, Shayna enjoys spending time with her husband and two kids, watching live sports, volunteering, watching rom-coms, and lifting weights. Welcome to the table, Shayna. Thank you very much. All of those degrees and the rom-coms. I know that that resonates with C. I know. <laughs> uh, yes, it does. Hello. <laughs> very degrees and rom-coms. <laughs> it's important to my mental health. Hello, Saints. <laughs> that is a way to see as hard as looks like, actually, let me say degrees, rom-coms, and justice. So look. <laughs> no, and, 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 and food. <laughs> and very good food. <laughs> let's, add, let's add that one. My husband knows very well. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. So anyway, welcome to the table, Shayna. I just, I would love to just start off just asking you first and foremost, how you doing? Okay, that's one. Like, how are you doing in light of um, having to uh, endure, let me say, like, you know, for lack of a better term, endure this pandemic as one um, as uh, who has recently um, transitioned um, from being like a formal educator um, in the K-12 system? Like, how has COVID impacted you um, in your work as a teacher? And what have you, how have you seen that impact the students in return? Um. I think that a lot of people want to deny the fact that the inequities existed in schools prior to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. It just basically shone a big spotlight um, and pulled back the curtain so people could see how bad um, we treat public education in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't fully fund it. Um, we don't support teachers. Uh, we have people in leadership positions that should not be. Um, and it's pretty much a reflection of society. Um, we could say the same for our entire country. We had a leader um, as our last president who should not have been. Um, right. We have people that were not supported um, that should be. Um, and then we underfund things that should be funded. Um, mm-hmm. So our educational system is just a reflection of our society and our priority is not education. Um, This last year, I would say, was a very make or break for a lot of teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of teachers that I know of that have been teaching as long as me, um, maybe several years less than me, but they are leaving um, the profession because of how this year has gone. And it's not necessarily the pandemic, because that's something we could not necessarily control, but we could control how we reacted to it. And our schools decided that business as normal is what we were going to do and pretend Mm -hmm. like the pandemic was not happening instead of saying, hey, this is a great time to actually fix our educational system and imagine something different for kids and for teachers. Um, Instead, we just did the same thing, but we did it virtually. Um, Mm. And that of course, rubbed a lot of veteran teachers, especially teachers that are quality teachers, the wrong way because we saw it as an opportunity to do something better, um, not only for um, our profession, but for kids in general. And we decided the path of least resistance and stuck with doing the status quo. (laughs) Goodness. Yep. 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 I mean, in times of crisis, right, uh, there's an op, there is an opportunity. um, There can be an opportunity for reevaluation or necessary creativity, right? Or you could maintain what mm-hmm. is already already there that may already be dysfunctional and it only gets worse. Um, Shana, when you think about some of those potential missed opportunities, 
Um, if, if you could go back with your with your magic wand, what what were some of the, the things that you think could have been done or sh- and should have been done um, that we missed out on? Um, I would say, honestly, the first thing is that we did not recognize the amount of strain that this would cause teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where, I mean, at one point during the school year, I was teaching 19 or 18 kids um, Mm -hmm. in person while teaching Mm -hmm. 12 kids virtually at the exact same time. So basically doing two jobs at one time. Um, and still getting the same pretty poor salary uh, for doing so. Um, I don't think that we thought it through of how taxing it would be. And I think it Mm -hmm. goes back to the lack of respect that teachers get in general. Um, And not to say that our um, career path is without faults. We do have teachers that are not good. We have teachers that are racist. We have teachers that Mm -hmm. are ableist. We have our Mm -hmm. same faults just like society. But I think the compounding of just the emotional strain of living Mm -hmm. through a pandemic and then having to work and make things semi-normal for other people's children during a pandemic um, was very Mm -hmm. emotionally taxing. Um, It's something that will stick with me probably for the rest of my life. Um, Hmm. It's one of those things where there were so many instances that I was just kind of like, I literally wanted to walk out of the building. And the only reason I didn't is because of the kids. Um, But then I realized that my health and my well-being was more important um, and that I had to kind of put myself first. I'd been doing this for 16 years um, and nothing was going to change. If, like I said, uh, somebody C said earlier in a moment of Mm -hmm. crisis, you have a time to kind of reevaluate and change things. And we decided to still not do that. Um, So I kind of felt like my purpose in education had been served. Like I'd done all that I can um, Mm. to move the needle in education and it was time Mm. for me to move on to something else. But I think just the anguish and strain on teachers, uh, we didn't think about um, and we didn't support them at all, um, which is very devastating for our field. And there's going to be a mass exodus of teachers uh, at the end of this year, which is going to be devastating for public education. Wow. Wow, what a prediction. You know, so so would you say um, you know, just just putting it out there and asking you plainly, would you say that it was the pandemic um that that drove you um to say, you know what, I think it's time for me to, you know, to pack it up and move in a different direction? Um, I would say partially. Uh mm. I would say the pandemic revealed the true colors of our leadership. Um, I mean, the fact that we have a brand new secretary of education, but we still have kids taking standardized tests during an entire year that they literally had to learn during a pandemic literally shows that we don't value kids' mental health because everyone says, oh, let's get the kids back into school because their mental health is suffering, but we get them back into school to take standardized tests which do nothing but like make mental health worse for students. And they're not beneficial for anybody but test taking uh, companies. So Mm -hmm. I think it more or less, it revealed to me um, the leadership that I worked under. um, And I don't want to say their ineptitude because that sounds pretty harsh, but their ineptitude and ability to think and problem solve um, to make a situation that was difficult, but make it a little bit easier on the people that work for them because We were the ones, as people like to say, which I hate, but people say Mm -hmm. that we're the ones in the trenches. Um, I don't think of school as war, um, so Mm -hmm. I don't think of Mm -hmm. myself as in the trenches, but I was the person in the classroom. And you're making decisions from your 
castle on the hill in your office um, that are going to impact me. Um, And I think it just revealed the lack of quality leadership that we have in education across the board, um, not only on school levels, but also like district levels as well. Um, And it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, I realized I was not going to change I could change my classroom space and I can make my classroom space ideal for students, but ultimately I was not going to change the system. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things where I felt like I was continually spinning my wheels and almost to the point where I was just like, this is not worth it. I have two kids of my own that I'm trying to protect from um, this, this really kind of damaging education system in general. Then I'm also trying to protect other people's kids from this damaging education and then also trying to take care of myself. And it just kind of came all a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the main thing, I would say it's not necessarily the pandemic that caused me to leave, but it just revealed just the lack of quality leadership that we have on all levels um, in education. And it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not in leadership, so I can't make these decisions. So right. I think I need to step away. Wow. Thank wow. you so much for that, uh, Shana. You know, it's, it's, I think that's a good word for probably a lot of our sisters at the table who Absolutely. may find themselves in all kinds of circumstances. And sometimes you're there because, you know, you are, you're an internal change agent, right? You're, you're bearing mm-hmm. witness and you're, you are, a, a, you know, making change happen. Your work is meaningful, is not in vain. But there are times when you have to make the call that's like, Okay. <laughs> After you've done all you can, you stand and you walk out the door. <laughs> After you've done all you can, you're like, and good day, and sir good day. and madam. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I so appreciate that the kind of the clarity of thought. And then also you saying, you know, you have these two children of your own. Right. And so how important it is for us to make sure that we are. Um, yeah, we're serving others, but we're also not. We're also serving uh, the, the people that are in our home too, right? So yes. really appreciate you willing to share that with us. So we have a number of people I know who their their kids are in all kinds of places right now. We've got people who are uh, doing the virtual thing, people who have mm-hmm. put on the new head of supersonic homeschoolers. We've got people who are hybrid. We've got people who are back inside, you know, and have been inside. Their kids been inside the classroom. Um, and they're just trying to make it work. And yet they're finding themselves at their wits end. Their parents are absolutely exhausted in trying mm-hmm. to help shepherd their children into a good educational experience this year. And if you had to give some advice as an, as an educator and thinking about what kind of you've, you've just seen and been through even as a parent, right? What would be some of the kind of the coaching advice or, or ways that you would encourage um, some of our listeners at the table and how they can serve their kids as they're rounding out this academic year? What would be some advice that you would give them and, and maybe some thoughts about how they should communicate with their students, uh, teacher, for example, right? Um, so yeah. they can have better insight about what what that teacher might need from the parent to be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think the first thing is just honestly granting yourself grace. Um, this has never happened before. We've never taught during a pandemic. Um, right. We've never had to parent during a pandemic. Um, so all of this is new. Um, and even though, like y'all mentioned earlier, um, a lot of people think that we've moved past the pandemic. We're still in a pandemic. Right. Yeah. Um, as much as people want to deny it, not wear masks, not do vaccines, whatever <laughs> the case may be, um, we're still in a pandemic. So this is still, even though we've dealt with this for over a year, it's still something that we've never dealt with before. Um, And so I would just tell parents to grant themselves grace, but also grant your kids extra grace because they've never experienced this. And this is a traumatic thing to have to deal with depending on your child's age. My children are 12 and nine and they don't understand like why are adults not 
like getting vaccines and getting so we can go back to school. Like, and I was like, we can't control what adults do. I said, you can only control what you can control. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, like I said, trying to explain it to kids um, because I don't want kids to leave this situation because a lot of them have been used as pawns as far as like, oh, we want to go back to school and open the schools and that kind of stuff. Schools have been open since August in September. Schools never closed. Uh, The buildings were closed, but schools never closed. Um, And I've never seen so many teacher friends work as hard as they have this year uh, to make sure that students at least were getting their emotional and social needs met, um, as well as their academic needs. Um, I would just encourage parents to reach out to teachers um, and just ask, um, because it's almost the end of the year. Um, but I know there's like talk in some places about summer school. Like, I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, kids do not need to do more school. Um, they need literally a summer to rest, um, reprogram themselves, like get back into a normal flow of activity. Um, and then retry again, this whole school thing in the fall. Um, because we haven't reimagined it and we haven't changed anything that we do, there's no reason to subject kids to what we've been doing since the pandemic started and before the pandemic during the summer. Like that makes absolutely no sense. Um, But I know a lot of people are talking about, oh, kids are behind and they use that big misnomer of learning loss, which is a lie. Um, Kids have not lost any learning. Um, They've lost the ability to take tests effectively because the testing company measures learning loss. Teachers Mm. do not measure learning loss uh, and parents do not measure learning loss. That's basically testing companies who pocket money off of kids taking tests that are worried about learning loss. And so it's having parents understand that their child has not experienced learning loss. They've experienced learning differences in the sense of I've had to learn in a different way. I had to learn a different modality. I've had to learn different things. Um, So please just like understand that. This is still new for everybody, but to grant yourself grace, definitely grant your kids grace um, and let them this summer do stuff that they want to do um, so that they can be kind of free to like regain a footing into the world um, and regain just kind of a sense of normalcy uh, before they go back to school in September. Mm. Thank you so much for that. I think a really good practical advice for parents, um, even for teachers, that y'all need a break. You know, this summer is just, this ain't the summer to have um, summer school. And I just think that's um, some really good wisdom. I think it's practical, um, particularly for the parents um, to implement that. Um, And even just recognizing that your children are going through um, a collective trauma too with this ongoing pandemic too. So yeah, thank you for um, lifting that up, uh, Shana. You know, let's go ahead and take a commercial break. And when we come back, we will be at the table with Shayna. So don't go anywhere. Come right on back. As Black women, we know a little something about having to wait our turn, which is why it is our pleasure to present to you all, It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough by Heather Thompson Day. So what do you do when it seems like everybody else is getting their dreams and you're not? In her new book, It's Not Your Turn, Heather Thompson Day shows us what we can do to shape ourselves while waiting so we are ready when it's our turn. Unpacking instant gratification and comparison in a social media world, she teaches 
is how we can cultivate perspective and practices that help us to trust God while we're waiting for our turn to come. We can learn to walk slowly and trust God to do his work in us, being more present in our relationships rather than striving for premature success. Author Heather Thompson Day is Associate Professor of Communication at Colorado Christian University and an interdenominational speaker and contributor for Religion News Service, Newsweek, and The Barner Group. She runs an online community called I'm That Wife and is the author of six other books. Now, Truth Table listeners, y'all can save 30% off of It's Not Your Turn when you order at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH21. This offer expires on September 30th. Make sure that you purchase It's Not Your Turn so that we can learn how to wait well until we get our breakthrough. You know what's one good thing about Facebook? What? Because, you know, I don't fool with Facebook like that. (laughs) Well, you know what you can find on Facebook? You can find Truth's Table Black Women's Discipleship Group. Oh, that's right. That is one good thing about (laughs) Facebook. Absolutely. Look, sisters, we have started the Truth's Table Black Women's Facebook Discipleship Group. So all you got to do is go to Facebook.com slash Truth's Table, like our page. Yes, yes, yes. Go to our group and join you gotta answer three questions. Come one on. of them, one of them questions is, "Are you a black woman?" Come, Come on, on now. y'all. DCC Come on. Order. We made it very DCC easy in order now. DCC in order. <laughs> answer those three questions and then agree to the rules. That's all. And then you get admitted into the discipleship group, and we are going to have a good time in that group, growing in the Lord and getting to know each other. So join us today, facebookcom table. And we are back at the table with Shana. White, uh, you know, Shana. I wanted to, you know, ask you. You had you had mentioned um, just earlier in our conversation about, you know, how it's been really difficult um, um, teaching in a pandemic and how people underestimated the toll that it would take on teachers. I was wondering if you would be willing uh, to walk our sisters at the table through a day in the life of an educator uh, during this pandemic? What did it mean for you to get mentally prepared um, to enter the classroom and teach and to log on to Zoom? Like, can you walk us through that? Because I, in some ways, when we hear that it's hard for people that are not educators, I don't think that we always fully grasp um, all of the responsibility that's on your plate, all of the things that you all have to do as educators. Do you mind taking us um, through and like setting the stage and the picture for us on what a day in the life of an educator in a pandemic looks like, what it was for you? Um, Absolutely. Uh, So I'll just take you through what my normal day uh, would be. Uh, We had to be at school by 8.30 um, and as the pandemic weared on, the closer to 8.30, I made sure I arrived to school, um, whereas before I would try to come at 8 or a little bit earlier, but I was just so exhausted that it was like I did the bare minimum as far as making it to school just on time. Um, mm-hmm. Once you you got there, your job was to make sure um, to make sure you disinfected. Uh, I had a computer lab because I was teaching computer science. I re-disinfected all of my computer lab. It was supposed to be done by the custodians the night before, but they told all teachers that we had to go back and just re-disinfect everything just to be on the safe side. So it was going and spraying down um, computers with solution, um, wiping down things, et cetera. 
Mm-hmm. Then um, I would have bus duty um, at 845. So I would have to go outside um, and greet students as they got off their school buses. Uh, we have multiple loads. Of st- we have about 42 buses um, that come to our school. Mm-hmm. So bus duty takes from like 845 to about 915. So I stood outside, didn't matter the weather. So if it was raining, I was underneath an umbrella. If it was mm-hmm. cold, I had my big coat on. Um, standing outside, just basically making sure kids got into where they needed to get get into the building, um, making sure they had their mask on um, when they got off the buses, because on some buses, some bus drivers didn't enforce the mask rules, but we were supposed to enforce them in the school building. So making sure they had their mask on, et cetera. If kids came off the bus without mask, we had to take them straight to the front office um, to get a mask from um, our uh, administrative assistant. And then after bus duty is over, I had about 10 minutes to plan for my first class. So that was basically making sure my like lesson was ready and I used Google slides. So I made sure my lesson was ready, made sure all the links worked, that type of stuff. Um, made sure that I had my computer lab spaced out where kids were not going to sit next to each other. Um, so I had to remove chairs. Um, so kids were like every other seat. Um, and then around 930, I'm standing outside my door greeting my first group of students um, coming in. Uh, and that was seventh grade. And that was my largest group. I had about 18 in the classroom. Um, and so they came in, we tried to social distance as best as we could, but uh, it wasn't feasible with 18 kids in a computer lab, but we did the best that we could. Um, so basically they come in, I have my students that are in the classroom. I give them a quick like typing assignment to do while I would log into Zoom and get okay. the online kids connected to us at the same time. Um one of the things that they stress to us um, in the beginning is that you're, you were supposed to teach both groups differently, but mm. that's impossible when you're doing it at the same time. So basically I sat in the back of the room behind a plexiglass uh, screen that was about two feet tall um, with wireless headphones. And I told my students in the classroom, I said, y'all are going to have to basically, you can either log into the Zoom with the online students, or you can just listen to me talk while I'm um, expressing it. So I would have my computer connected to the projector in the front of the room. So the lesson would be going on in the classroom with me talking and then me also talking on the Zoom at the exact same time. So when questions would come up, I would have to say, hey, y'all on the Zoom, hold on a second. There's a question from somebody in the classroom. Um, In the beginning, we were told that we were not allowed to get from behind the plexiglass to go help kids with stuff. But in a computer lab, especially because computers and technology sometimes are not friendly, um, there were times that I had to get up and help a kid like log in, something was going on with their Wi-Fi, whatever the case may be. so I'd have to tell the kids on the Zoom to like just chill out um, and I'm, I'll be back in a second and I'd walk with my wireless headphones over to the kid who needed help. Um, and then I would go through the lesson. We had classes for 90 minutes. Um, so I would go through the lesson and I would only teach for about 10 to 15 minutes because the kids are over it. Um, the teachers are over it. And so it's like, I'm not going to make their day like just miserable um, with my computer science class. So it was more or less me teaching a new concept and then giving them the remaining of their time to work on their own. Then I told the kids on Zoom that they could log off whenever they finished the assignment. So they would put into the chat like, 
Miss White, I finished my assignment and I would say, have a good day. And I'd let them log mm-hmm. off early. Mm-hmm. And the ones in the classroom, they would just sit and work. And then when they finished, some of them would try to socialize, but of course we had to keep them socially distant. So I would like, you can talk to each other, but you have to stay in your seat. So they would kind of turn their chairs backwards so they could talk to each other, et cetera. Um, and then after the class is over, they had us uh, return students to their classrooms outside to limit the contact as far as inside of a building um, because we have no windows in our building. Um, so we couldn't have any type of ventilation. So mm-hmm. I had to escort my kids outside the building and walk all of them back um, in a straight line to their classrooms um, to avoid contact with other students. Um, and then I did that all over again for my sixth graders uh, around lunchtime. And then I did that again for my eighth graders um, in the afternoon. My goodness. So it just listening to that, Shane, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you, you do all that, but then you also do that in the midst of, right, you know, developmentally appropriate kids stuff <laughs> that they've got going on. Right. And right. and conflicts with each other and working with parents or parents right. that you would want to work with. But you're like, right. where are your parents? You know, just right. just just so so many layers and not to yeah. mention um, trying to serve and care for your right. your own family, right? And things right. that are nearest and dearest to you. It's just super duper taxing. I had a um, a friend that I talked to just a couple of months ago who was was weeping uh, because you know her whole life, her whole adult life has been dedicated to to being an impactful educator, just loving loving children, helping them to learn, um, and had never felt so uh, so incompetent. Mm-hmm. Um, so unhelpful, so, um, so exhausted and so exhausted at the same time. Right. And so yeah. she was really having a bit of an identity crisis. You know, who am I, if I can't be this impactful, uh, well-meaning educator for these kids right now? Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I am, I'm really, um, empathizing with, with teachers at this point. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it was a lot. Um, and that's not including the meetings that we had to go to. Uh, mm-hmm. We had time uh, scheduled in our day that we we're supposed to call if kids didn't show up to class. Um, so there are times I was making, you know, 15, 20, because I would have classes of maybe 35 kids. I was making phone calls. And then some of the kids would say, well, I thought I could be virtual today. Like, and they did. They logged into the virtual class, but we still had to mark them absent um, because they were considered an in-person student. Um, so there's just a lot of other logistical things um, that were not basically set up for teachers being successful with um, yeah. during this time. And the teaching profession is, profession is already hard as it is without a pandemic. Mm. Um, and so like sitting there and try to like schedule bathroom breaks because we can't go to the bathroom whenever we need to basic things like that. Like eating my lunch, I would go eat my lunch in my car um, because I didn't feel comfortable or safe eating in the building. Um, There's so many other logistical things that throughout Mm. the day just mentally are so taxing um, that teachers have been dealing with. uh, Like me, we started school in August, so I had to deal with this since August. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you are make you're drawing this picture for us. You're really yeah. giving us some insight so that, you know, um yeah, so that we can be empathetic and so that we can also know how to pray and we can know how to advocate. Yes. Uh, and we can know how to 
how to vote and we, we can know how to uh, serve the teachers in our community well, because they are a gift. <clears throat> so this summer is coming up and I think a lot of parents are looking to, to figure out, you know, how can they, how to, how to repair some of the things that uh, have happened over the last several months. Right. So this feeling that there are some students who haven't gotten what they need to get. Um, mm-hmm. just They're looking at the summer to be a place where they can make amends. Right. And really try to help supplement, some of the some of the issues, right? Because of some of the issues that have happened uh, the last year. What what wisdom? What advice would you give to uh, Shana to, to parents right now who are looking to this summer as the school year is closing for most people in, in the states in the next month or a few weeks? And so, yeah, give us an idea of how how you would instruct parents to prepare for this summer. What they could be doing at home. Um, to, to kind of check in and help to support their, their children's educational process? Um, the main thing I would say is allow the kids to be kids this summer. Um, they've had an entire year and a half of their ch- child life uh, stripped away um, because of adult yeah. negligence, um, mm-hmm. because it didn't have to be this way mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. the pandemic. And so my big thing is I don't want kids to leave um, schools going into the summer, like thinking they could have done anything different because they literally had no control over the situation. It was right. all the adults. Um, and so I think constantly reassuring um, your kids. I know the one thing that I focused on uh, immensely with my kids even when I was in school um, teaching because I would come home from work and my kids did virtual learning. So they stayed home with my husband mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and did their learning from home. And I would text my husband and say, like, how is it going? Like, do they need help? Because my third grader is going to need a little bit more hands on help than mm-hmm. maybe my sixth grader would. Um But the one thing that I did focus on when I did come home, even though I was exhausted and didn't care, um, I would come home, I would shower just to make sure that I would not bring any COVID um, to my house um, the minute I stepped in the door. But the first thing I always said is I was like, y'all let's, let's do like, I want you to experience some type of joy today. I know virtual school is not fun um, Mm -hmm. because it's not fun for me to have to teach it. So my big focus is to make sure that my kids experience some type of joy and I get to hear them laugh at least once a day. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm really, really committed to doing. So even if it's me having to tickle them to get them to laugh or (laughs) tell a really bad joke as a mom, um, I want to make sure that I hear both of my kids laugh every single day. And I think that parents, that's something very small that you can do that can make a difference to not only let kids know that it's not their fault, um, but also bring a little bit of levity to the fact that they've had part of their life so traumatically impacted. Um, And there's nothing that we can do except for move forward at this point. And so moving forward looks like making sure that kids are still experiencing joy um, Mm -hmm. and happiness because their lives should be joyful and happy because they're kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Such great, great counsel there. I I was going to ask you, Shana, how to, uh, what your advice would be for parents to, um, you know, to attend to their children, but you, you already answered it perfectly. Um, I love that piece about trying to make sure to use every day, seeing your children laugh, right? Um, if that means you got to kick the the bad jokes or (laughs) make them, uh, or tickle them to get a laugh out of them. I think that's so practical. Um, so needed, um, because yeah, 
yeah, they, they've been going through so much. Um, so much of a heavy burden was, was lifted on them. As you said earlier, they've been used as pawns, right? Um, and, and, and I think they know that um, instinctively. I think that, and if they don't know that, they can into it. Um, it, you know, so I'm curious, you know, I, I do realize that uh, I'm not an educator, but I realize that this week is, um, uh, a teacher appreciation week and, uh, this episode won't be out when that, when that, uh, uh um, I mean, this episode won't be out during this week, but I would love to hear from you as an educator on, uh, what are some ways that, uh, parents or other staff or students can show appreciation, uh, for their teachers, especially in light of this pandemic, what would be helpful? Um, what would be, um, something that would really resonate, um, with you and probably other educators that you'd be like, man, that was really thoughtful. I really appreciate that. Can you talk to us about what that might look like for you? Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, the one thing that I beat on my chest about all the time is to pay teachers a fair wage. Um, we're not being paid well at all. Um, but I know that that is strictly because the government doesn't fund schools, hence teachers don't get paid. Um, Mm -hmm. when I was on Twitter last week, um, because I recently got uh, banned because I went after a racist, uh, comment, um, I basically said there, these are two free ways for teachers to mm. uh, feel appreciated. I said the first thing to come from parents is literally send a quick email or note and CC the teacher's administrators, like their principal, mm. their assistant mm. principal, okay. district leaders, and just say, I really appreciate what Miss White has done for my child this year. And it could just be something as simple as that. Um, because the administrators need to hear what the teachers have been doing because administrators have kind of turned their backs um, to supporting teachers because they're getting feedback from their district leaders, test, 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 get this school year done, and basically not taking the care that needs to be done with teachers. Um, So I think like just commending the teacher for making it through the year, helping their child make it through the year, um, any successes that their child has had through the year because of the teacher, just a quick like email or note um, and making sure that the principal at the school sees that note um, would be very, very impactful for teachers. The -hmm. one thing that I also said um, in that tweet for administrators that they could do is literally cancel every other meeting that they have scheduled for this year. We are tired of meeting. <laughs> I know everybody is tired of Zooming, but we're t- teachers are tired of meeting. We just meet to meet. Um, and it's taking time away from us, either like resting or getting prepared for our next class, et cetera. Um, so something really basic and free that administrators can do is cancel the rest of the meetings for the school year. We don't need to meet about anything because we've been doing this since August. There's nothing that has really changed. Um, And so canceling meetings for teachers so that teachers can actually have free periods of time to actually gather their thoughts, like recenter their minds, whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. Um, Even if it's self-care, like walking around their school building to just get some fresh air, um, Something that basically puts the teacher's needs first um, would be something that would be showing appreciation for them. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Very practical. Um, you know, Shana, you know, it's been a joy to have you at this at the table. I mean, we've learned a ton. We got a, more insights um, into, my goodness, all of the things that you had to do. And not only just you, because um, you stand as a representative, but for many educators all around the country. You know, I, we'd love for you to talk to our sisters at the table about how they can um, uh, follow your work, support your work. Uh, this is your time to talk to them. <laughs> okay. Um, so I work for the Cape Horse Center now, which is based in Oakland, California. Um, and our big purpose as the center is to basically level the tech playing field, um, not only in corporate, but also in K-12 education. Um, so we have a lot of like really great programming coming out of the Cape Horse Center on a regular basis. Um, we have one actually later this month um, that talks about the model minority myth, um, where I have a panel mm-hmm. of six uh AAPI uh, friends um, mm-hmm. and colleagues that are going to talk about the model minority myth and about AAPI solidarity, um, especially because right. of the recent uh, uptick yes. in xenophobia and hate crimes um, that have been directed towards uh, AAPI individuals. Um, we also have a really big project coming out in June uh, where we're trying to reshape how people think of K-12 education, and we're coming out with a culturally sustaining framework for computer science education in K-12. So basically, we are going to help teachers understand how to teach computer science that is not whitewashed, that Mm -hmm. uh, decenters whiteness, uh, that makes sure that student agency is in the forefront, um, that makes sure that students' families feel included in the process of the child's CS learning. Um, And this is a project that we've been working on for several months, um, and we hope to have the final product published in June. So the two big things, but you can follow um, the KPOR Center uh, Twitter account. They always tweet, I think, multiple times a day um, Mm -hmm. for things that are going on. And a lot of our programming is free, um, which I know that matters to a lot of people. So a lot of the stuff we don't ever charge for um, people to learn and grow and become better. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information, Shana. Well, thank you for taking a seat at the table with us, Shana. And um, of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us. Don't forget to tweet us your thoughts about We Gonna Learn Today, COVID-19's impact on teachers and students with Shana V. White. Thank you so much for coming to the table, Shana. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. We want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Truth Table. Black women, did y'all know that we have our own Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook? Make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at info at truthstable.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account now, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. I've been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.